world return of the living nerd i'm brendan and i'm spindles and we have got an awful lot to pack into tonight's show we have uh random of all the news out of sdcc that's san diego comic-con doctor who news obviously uh game of thrones is back so we'll be talking about that uh i saw Dun- dunkirk so we'll review that and then you were off at thronecast i believe I did, yes. I went to Thronecast recording yesterday. Well, obviously, that's already been on TV as well, because it comes out pretty much straight away. Yep, and then we've got a ton of shout-outs to do, because we had a rather weird Saturday night. <laughs> yes, we did. So, have you recovered? Is your hangover abated? Uh, absolutely fine, mate. Hang- hangovers still don't bother me overly, so, yeah, but it was a lot of rum that I got through. Because I, I totally wasn't expected to come back for the second show. I thought I'd try for it, just in case I could actually get back for it, but I, I didn't expect to. Yeah, um, well, because I, I, I'd kind of... We, we'd done the first show, and then I finished up, and I would hit the rum quite hard then after that, and was like, yeah, okay, I can relax now. And then I got a, a Twitter message saying, are hey, you coming back for the final? And I was like, uh, drunk. Uh, all right. <laughs> I was at McDonald's. I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll be there. <laughs> just let me go get some food. Yeah, so I I came back and and despite being drunk, I won. <laughs> you did, which makes up for our poor show earlier on. And I, I think we're we're getting ahead of ourselves. For those people who don't know what we're talking about, on Saturday night we guested on uh, the Smorgasbord special birthday show for Pete, who runs the show, and he had a number of different podcasters come on over a course of like twelve hours or so and play ridiculous games. Um, and we did a slot from was it seven till nine? Yeah. Where we played charades. Playing charades over Skype is one of the single weirdest things I've <laughs> ever done. And I hate charades at the best of times. Um, so he's putting these videos out every now and again on his YouTube because uh, he captured video of us all over Skype. If you want to see me get properly salty about <laughs> getting dicked over on our points um you definitely need to check that episode out uh yeah i mean i know i tweet stormed about it like jokingly but if we lost any more points i'd rage quit but yeah a little bit salty not gonna lie um <laughs> we were on we were unfairly beaten and i know because i was cheating <laughs> So that, of course, makes up for everything. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but the truth of the, the, the latest session, the sort of like the the smorgasbord nights, like the eleven till god midnight truth or their show, that mm. was a lot of fun. So yeah. it was. It was great for. I mean, hey, I I got voted not only the best dressed but the craziest. So you know, I, I'll take that it's as true. a win. It's true. <laughs> and I I had to have a a group therapy session about my dislike of horror films because of Event Horizon. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. But yeah, so those guys were awesome. We will shout their names out at the end of the show. I've got a list because I've been prepared for this episode. And uh, <coughs> let's just jump straight into the Comic Con stuff. Of course, yes. Trailer Tastic. Yeah, so I put up a survey on the Twitter for about which of the, uh, the trailers people are most excited about. Pretty good response rate. Um,. Kind of went the way I was thinking it would go. Uh, we had 32% of respondents say Thor was the one that grabbed them the most. Okay. 30% said Stranger Things. So Thor pipped it by a... And that's her. Um, 25% went with Justice League. And 13% said Ready Player One. Uh, which were the four options I gave people. Um, I went with Stranger Things first. That was, that was my vote. I, mean, I, I must admit, I've, I, I've not seen all of them yet, still. Um, so, uh, uh, I, I kind of got sidetracked by a whole bunch of other things, but I, I did watch the um, the Ready Player One, I watched The Walking Dead, um, I watched a whole, I, I can't remember which ones I watched now, I watched a whole bunch of them in, in quick succession while 
on rum so <laughs> <laughs> so some of them are a little bit patchy but um i mean i i, I was relatively impressed with everything i saw um that was an, an, until today and i saw about x-men but we'll get to that we'll get to that yeah don't worry <laughs> um so yeah i mean i've I, 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 i've still only seen the original ghostbustery trailer for stranger things and I, I, I guess with Stranger Things, I don't need to see the trailers. I know it's going to be awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, like, there's there's more foreshadowing in this, I think. Like, the roleplay game was important in the first game, D&D. Mm-hmm. The, the Demigorgon and all that, the, the group. The the new trailer starts with them in an arcade, and they're playing Dragon's Lair. Um, and it's a much bigger monster, and it kills the, the player character. Right. Uh, and whilst this is happening, Will sort of sees like the specks from the the upside down, the little the, the ash floating in the arcade, and he goes outside and he sees like the upside down kind of superimposing itself on the real world, and it's a giant monster now. It's not the Demogorgon; it's something huge, something dragon esque in sort right, of its size okay. and imposition. So like that mirroring and foreshadowing's pretty blatant it kind of feels like maybe we'll see a death of one of the the four kids maybe dustin will die um we don't know then the rest of the trailer sort of kicks in with the opening dialogue of thriller so you know darkness falls across the land Mm. and it kicks into the song that plays out for the trailer and it's yeah it feels like feels like will is a conduit now to the to the upside down he's able to go there without actually leaving the real world so he goes into sort of a trance it seems and like he's he's there and he's here at the same time and then the upside down is starting to push through more and more okay into the real world um there's bits with him going off and having tests run on him uh yeah looks very cool a lot of really shortcuts in the trailer so Nothing really given away, but a general sense of dread, but also the general sense of adventure that the first show had, which, which is cool. Okay, so I, I, I guess I'm intrigued as to why Thor was the the, the biggest trailer. I don't know either. Like, to be honest, in in the poll, Thor won it. In the comments and the replies to the to the poll, like people were picking Ready Player One, which I thought was really interesting. I know uh, Rhett Hall from the Brain Trust Brothers, he was. On, on the Ready Player One bandwagon for sure, uh, but I, I just wasn't. Well, I mean, shall we delve straight? Because I mean, obviously, I'm I'm massively intrigued to hear what you think about this. Um, yeah. Because I've seen some of your comments about it, and I kind of wanted to keep it all for the show. Yeah. Okay. So, anyone who listens to the show knows that Ready Player One is one of my favourite books. Like, my my Amazon history has maybe eleven, twelve copies of that book that I've purchased just to give to people as as presents because I love that book and I want to spread the love around about it um, doing the Ready Player he One film challenge he likes to spread the love people yes I do um, I'm doing the Ready Player One film challenge you know I, I really really enjoy that book um, I did not enjoy the trailer and I've been accused of being negative about it but I'm just like well it's not negativity I'm not going it's shit I'm not going to watch it I'm going that trailer didn't do for me what I wanted an RP1 trailer to do for me. So, can, can um, you put your finger on what it was? Yeah, it doesn't have the heart. Okay. doesn't have it's the just, heart that I'm looking for. It's just too CGI, too action, yeah. too VR. Yeah. Like, I love the DeLoreans in it. I mean, the club scene, the anti-grav club scene for Og's birthday is great, but it's a little more purple than I would have had it. But, like, visual things like that, they're not deal breakers. It still had an epic feel. And in the film, I'm sure it'll be great. But then we cut to a big car chase, and I cannot for the life of me work out where they're going to put that into the film. Yeah, I was wondering about this as well. So you know, what are your thoughts on that? Where do you think this is going to fit in? It's either going to be, like, the race for the final gate, or it's going to come after uh, Parsifal's done the War Games challenge. Okay. I mean, I don't. I generally have no idea where it's going to go. Yeah, and that's kind of annoying. Yeah, because if you if you kind of look at the 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 timeline of it, he doesn't get the DeLorean until long after he's found the first gate. Yeah, it might even be the escape from the party from. And yeah, indeed. So it it, you know it could be that. 
but then that would kind of make it elongate a bit more because of the, basically the fight all happens in the party and then that's it yeah. and then it it just Artemis disappears off and then there are, he just stays there so yeah. shout out to uh, Barney I think from Team Sailor Jerry <clears throat> who suggested Og's party as the, as the place for that car chase yeah yeah it, it, it's a possibility but I, I think that there's got to be something more there of them trying to get to something before someone else yeah because otherwise, but, what's the point of a chase? Exactly. But yeah, it just for me, it's like, where's that fitting? I mean, it's it's all well and good looking special, but Ready Player One is not a. It's not primarily an action book. It's it's a rite of passage story. Yeah, it's an yeah, adventure totally. story. Yeah, it's Goonies so, in VR. <laughs> yeah. So I wanted to see more of that. And I would have been happy seeing that all in the Oasis. I don't want to see um, H or Artemis revealed in the trailer yet. Mm. You know, I don't want. To, I don't want to see them in the trailer at all, apart from their their, their avatars, because that's a massive part of the reveal at the end of Ready Player One. Who those characters are? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess for me, I think what they've done is that they're trying to build up the hype around the movie. Uh, I, I guess with with my kind of marketing hat on. I I would have gone for a scene which would be more like him uncovering the first dungeon and just yeah. stood in a forest and then finding the entrance and going in there and just building up a bit of mystique around it, which is just, you know, it's all a bit slightly VR and stuff and yeah. ultra kind of photorealistic rendered. And then he finds the entrance and goes in and that's, I guess that, that would have been enough for me just to whet the appetite. Yeah, the, the the end shot of the trailer could have been him walking into that final room, and a slow pan to the joust uh, games machine, uh, or, or even just the lich. Yeah, you know, either of that. But yeah, something that would have it, it's a teaser trailer, so something that would have got you invested, wondering what on earth is going on. Rather yeah, than I, th saying, I think what you got was a visual proof of concept. Yeah. Uh, so got, I think ooh. what it's doing is it's saying, hey, this is in VR, it's got a whole bunch of pop culture references in it, here's how, uh, an idea of how it's going to look. Yeah. So I um, think it's taken that approach, which, yes, isn't quite the kind of story-led thing that you're looking for, but I think for the casual observer, is going to pique the interest, especially if they don't know the story. Yeah. Because oh, a person like, who doesn't know the story that. is going to go, why the fuck is there a trailer with Freddy Krueger, the Iron Giant, and a fucking DeLorean? Yeah, and I get that. I totally get that. Um, but I've, I'm, I'm so invested in this book and this story that I want the movie to be done right. Mm -hmm. And, like, that's, that's why I'm critical of the trailer. I'm not negative about the film. I still think I'm going to enjoy the movie because I can separate, you know, my expectations from the book and expectations of the film when it gets to that point. Like, if I enjoy the movie, I'll enjoy it in its own right. But mm. this trailer did not get me excited for it. No, and, and I don't think it will. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I guess all, all I have to say is, is, is take heart, brave adventurer. I think <laughs> it's just a technical proof of concept. Yeah, I hope so. And I hope the film is less that and more adventure. Yeah, and, and uh, you know what? I think it will be. I, I, I'm hopeful for it because, you know, the source material is there. Ernie Klein's been involved in the writing of the screenplay. So, you know what? I think it, 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 it's, it's got the best pedigree it could have. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. So I think, you know, I don't think this trailer has taken away anything from my expectations of it. I think it's kind of solidified what in my mind I knew was probably going to be right which was it was going to look fucking amazing yeah and I guess I'm taking away from it as well the fact that there have been a couple of bad trailers recently where the films have been excellent or mm. at least enjoyable like Ghostbusters had a really bad trailer but the film was pretty good and one of the Spider-Man trailers wasn't great but the film was awesome so yeah. we'll take that from it but sure. as for Thor which was the winner of the poll um, have you watched that one? I haven't, no. Oh man, the soundtrack on that's insane. The interplay between Hulk and Thor is awesome. Hulk has dialogue. Um, Hulk speak. Like, 
Hulk, yeah, but he speaks... He speaks like a child. Like, he's been in the Hulk form pretty much since the end of Age of Ultron. He hasn't changed right. back to Bruce Banner to that, to that point. And there's a scene later where he's back as Bruce Banner and he seems to have forgotten everything that's been going on. He doesn't know where he is. He doesn't know about the fight between him and Thor. Um, we get to see Hela kick ass. We get to see Valkyrie. We get a flashback, I believe, to Valkyrie and all of the Valkyries charging Hela. Um, we get to see Loki back in it again. And it's like a, a buddy cop feel to it. Um, so the, the, mis, the misfit bunch of rebels taking on Hela. So you got Thor, Valkyrie, Hulk, and Loki as a team of four. Okay. Um, and then you got Jeff Goblin as the Grandmaster, who is just awesome in everything he's in. So mm. that will be cool. And um, he's confirmed so, that he is the brother of the Collector as well. Okay, I was going to say, I mean, do we think this is now hitting the kind of run-up for uh, very Infinity, Infinity War? War? Have you have you seen the trailer for Infinity War? No. I saw a, I saw a, a a leaked copy of it. The opening scene of the Infinity War trailer is the Guardians of the Galaxy in the Milano. And they're just flying normally, talking amongst themselves, and all of a sudden something hits the windscreen of the Milano, and they look at it, and it's Thor. Okay. So, I because that that news is out there, like all the reports from D twenty three and SDCC are out there, and like it would seem to be a pretty massive spoiler for Thor Ragnarok if that's how Thor Ragnarok ends. So I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think something else is going to happen in Infinity War to have Thor on the Guardian's windshield. I don't think it's a straight follow-on. Do you not think it's, it's like a post-credit sting, though? I, I, don't, well, I don't think I don't think Infinity War's going to start with going to the galaxy with, with that scene. Cause no, no, I don't think so. Otherwise, they've just spoiled the end of Ragnarok before Ragnarok's been, been released. So mm. I don't think that's the case. Uh, I think it'll be later in the continuity of the film. It might even be once Thanos has destroyed a planet or something and Thor goes off into the galaxy floating. But we'll see. That's that's a long way off yet. Well, I mean, yeah. I, uh, to be fair, it, Thor and Guardians have the closest link so far with the Collector yeah. and, and a bunch of other stuff with the uh, the Infinity Stones. So that is yeah. the obvious jumping off point for, for yeah. bringing Guardians into the rest of the continuity. Yeah. But other things to look out for in the Thor trailer are uh, Fenris, the wolf. He gets into a bit of a scrap with Hulk, and then the final scene from the trailer is Hulk having a go at Surtur, the big old fire demon, and it's a massive battle. It's Hulk barely, like, Surtur's face fills the screen, and there's just a tiny little Hulk just jumping into it. Nice. Ready to kick some ass. Nice. So yeah, that'd be cool. So yeah, it's Ready Player One, Stranger Things, Thor, the other one was Justice League. Mm -hmm. so did you see the Justice League trailer? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. So it very clearly sets up the villain of the piece. So it's obviously Steppenwolf, who is the emissary of Darkseed. Um we see him on the Miscara the Miscara? The Miscara? Yeah, that's how you pronounce it, isn't it? The Amazonian island. Mm. Yeah. So he's there with one of the mother boxes. Um there's a lot of fighting going on. The Amazons are there. It's not sure whether it's now or pre Wonder Woman or post Wonder Woman, but there's lots of shit going on. Uh, there's something interesting in the dialogue that he says. Steppenwolf says, No lanterns and no Kryptonians can stop me. So there's a tease, possibly, of uh, future Green Lantern projects, or maybe even a brief cameo in this film. Um, but then it's much the same as you'd accept expect from a DC film, you know lots of action, lots of quick cuts and lots of very dark imagery it's unlikely that anything shown in the trailer is Joss Whedon's work because um, they've only just finished well, uh, yeah, yeah. wrapping on what he, on, on his reshoots um, so most of that's going to be Zack Snyder's work so it has the look and feel of, of a Snyder trailer so, what what are your thoughts on these rumours circulating about them replacing Ben Affleck already? Um, honestly, I don't put much stock in them. But if they were going to do it, it's pretty easy um, to replace him as Batman if, well, The Flash is doing Flashpoint. 
Yeah. The Flash the, the Flash film is called Flashpoint. Um, and I was going to get to that later on, but I'll do it now. Um, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. The, no, it's fine. On the Walking Dead panel, Jeffrey Dean Morgan was sat next to Lauren Cohen, and he whispered something to her, and he Instagrammed it, and the caption was, you say Batman? So Jeffrey Dean Morgan, like, teasing the fact that if Flash does do Flashpoint the way it's meant to, and sticks to the comic, then... We've already got a Bruce and Martha Wayne in this continuity, and that's JDM and Lauren Cohen. Mm, and of course, yeah. that would mean that Jeffrey Dean Morgan would become Batman, because obviously Bruce dies in Flashpoint, Thomas Wayne and Martha Wayne survive. So it'd be a really interesting way to do it. I think it's I think it's way too soon to do it. Mm. Like, you know, the TV series has had two seasons before doing Flashpoint. Like, you care about that Barry Allen, you don't care about this one, because you haven't met him, really. So how do you get invested in that struggle of Flashpoint without yeah. meeting the character first? So, But if they do, then they have the things to play with, like Superman gets raised by aliens, well, raised by the government, rather, um, so he's not dead in mm. a Flashpoint DCU. Uh, we'll see. But yeah, that, as for Ben Affleck, I don't know. Like, I've been catching things, but he said himself that he's fine and he fucking loves doing it. So Yeah, yeah indeed. Well, is he dream fucking job for him <laughs> yeah and i and i personally thought he was a pretty good batman yeah yeah definitely bruce, he was a really good bruce wayne yeah i think we haven't had for a while yeah as we said so, half the battle <laughs> yeah absolutely um cool so well we've mentioned walking dead so let's get to that one well yeah I mean, i'm quite happy with that it, it, it looks quite interesting um and and obviously leaves us on a teaser of, of an older looking Rick at the end of it. So yeah, that means they could be attempting the time jump from the comics. Yep, absolutely. So yeah, or it could be, it could be an obvious troll. It could be like, was it the last episode or the first episode of last season where Rick has that sort of hallucination dream of them all around the table? Yeah, yeah. It could be like that. It could just be them being dicks. But yeah. it's more likely they're going to do uh, the jump forward to a new beginning. That storyline. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess it's kind of... It, it, it's approaching the point where, you know, that there's been a lot said in the press recently about uh, Robert Kirkman saying that he has a definite end in mind now. Uh, he does, yeah. And, and he's been working towards it, but he's also categorically said that he's not writing it. He just yeah. he, he he knows how it's going to end, but that doesn't mean he's ending it. It just means no. he's got an idea. Um, but I so guess yeah. it's one of those things that with, with a TV show, you kind of have to be moving towards that. You can't. You don't have the luxury uh, with a TV show that you do with comics, uh, or or even with books. You have to get to a point where you do resolve things, and I think yeah. Walking Dead is getting to the point where you know um, I. I really do think it's only got maybe two or three seasons at the most left. Well, yeah, I, I agree. And if if that end sequence is indicative of a jump forward in time to the to the start of the whole new beginning um, storyline, I don't think that'll be the end of the season because that's not no, a no. particularly good cliffhanger. That might no. be the end of it, the first part. Mid, of the season. Yeah, mid-season break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, which means they're going to cover the all-out war storyline in the first what seven eight episodes of the season and the back eight will be you know uh, I don't know if they finish the time jump at the end of the first half, half of the season then the second half becomes a new beginning and we see maybe the whisperers yeah I guess yeah I'll, I'll be interested to see where it goes but it's one of those things that I think it really does as a TV show, need to start building towards a conclusion. Um, obviously, yeah, we're, we're in, in in the last two seasons of Game of Thrones now, by comparison, and and now yeah. that is that's that, that is very very definitely building towards a close. Yeah. And also, from our own point of view, we felt that last season of The Walking Dead was probably the weakest. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, so, uh, I think the last couple have been that. that you know, I, I think last season actually kind of 
brought it up a bit. Uh, there were some infuriating moments, but it was nowhere near as as frustrating to watch as the previous season where they were just all split and going in different directions and you were spending entire episodes dealing with people's backstories, which in season yeah. seven of a show, is it's the wrong time to be doing backstories. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, we'll see where it goes. But certainly interesting with that with that trailer. Yeah. Um, let's round out the SCCC news then. Uh, Absolutely. Captain Captain Marvel news. We finally have some news from Captain Marvel. It will be set in the nineties, mm. which means it predates Iron Man. Yeah. Nick Fury will be in it, and he will have two eyes. Ooh. But the most interesting news is the villains have been revealed, and it will be the Skrull. Ah, okay. Now that's interesting because up to this point, you know, the scroll, specific scroll at least, are owned wholly by Fox. Hmm. Um, and whilst Marvel have use of the scroll in the same way that they can use Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch, the fact that they're bringing the scroll out now has a few people thinking that something's going on behind the scenes between Marvel and Fox, and maybe. There's talk of licenses being shared, like Spider-Man was with Sony and Marvel. Uh, something certainly has to have changed for Marvel to really want to put a highlight on what is essentially a Fox comic property. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess th th this this whole kind of licensing issue is is sorry something I meant to mention when we we're talking about Ready Player One, that it's uh, Ready Player One by definition is is such a minefield of licensed properties that yeah. it's uh, it's going to be so difficult to get the correct clearances to use all the stuff that's mentioned in the in the book. And I think that's probably why they're focusing more heavily on certain things, which is why I think like the appearance of the Iron Giant, I yeah. think, is is indicative of the fact that they probably won't have clearance to use all of the giant anime monster robots. Yeah. But I'm okay with the Iron Giant as a substitute. Right? Yeah, 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 indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. It's it's just this it's this whole intellectual property licensing thing <laughs> that always gets in the way of movies happening the way we want them to yeah but yeah so that's that's that um so yeah but with the scroll as villains we might get to see more of the scroll Cree war because that's been established as being a thing that's happened uh the Cree are part of the mcu and the tv universe now at this point yeah um so yeah we'll see where it goes um, I'm not sure how Captain Marvel's going to get to Infinity War. Well, I think she's in she's in part two because this this is in between part one and part two. So I've got a feeling the tie-in's going to be one of the scroll in the Captain Marvel film is going to be revealed as taking on one of the faces of someone they see in the first Infinity War film. Right. Okay. I don't know. Or it sets up Avengers two as Secret War. Mm. which would probably be a more logical step forward, I think. But we'll see how it goes. And as we've um, always said, you know, you, you can, if you do your Secret War, that gives you the ultimate license to just rewrite the entire universe. Yeah. Which is kind of, in a way, I think that it, even though the DC universe hasn't really got going yet, it needs a crisis on Infinite Earths just to sort it the fuck out. Yeah, they're going to start again then, you know. See learn from their mistakes and go back to basics. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, other Marvel news. Ant-Man and the Wasp has released some casting announcements. So Michelle Pfeiffer is going to be Jeanette Van Dyne. So she's the original Wasp, Hank Pym's wife. Uh, I imagine she'll either appear as part of a flashback. Mm -hmm. Or... Maybe they get in touch with Doctor Strange and go searching in those dimensions to rescue her. But And uh, Lawrence Fishburne is Bill Foster, who was the original Giant Man. He's also Black Goliath. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and the villain is someone called Ghost, who I don't really know that much about. But apparently they're a Tony Stark Iron Man villain, but they're being used in the Ant-Man universe. Okay. So 
do your research on that one because I haven't yet. <laughs> no, nor have I. Yeah. And I think the last thing then is, uh, reluctantly, Dark Phoenix. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, in terms of casting announcements, sounds great. They've they've got all of the uh, X Men first class people back. Everyone, yeah. Fassbender, uh, McAvoy, all of them are back again. Um, but they're taking on Dark Phoenix, which is you know it it is my favourite X Men storyline of all time. It has already been fucked up beyond repair once on the big screen. Yep. Uh, that was as a result of Brian Singer leaving and handing stuff over to someone else, and Brian Singer has just left and handed it over to someone else. Yeah. Um, it seems like the obvious film to do. Like, it's the obvious plotline to try and convert, but it hasn't been done well. I don't think it'll be done well this time. And I think in my review of Apocalypse, I said that I liked Sophie Turner as Jean Grey. I liked the, the young... X-Men cast that were coming through and I liked the stuff when they were talking to them and developing relationships that stuff was great and I wanted to see more of that I wanted to see more of Scott Summers and Jean Grey and have X-Men be what it should be which is a discovery of yourselves your powers uh, and your place in the world rather than just lumping out another generic action film summer mm. after summer you know they're, they're going for the big hitters but they haven't laid any groundwork yet for dark well, phoenix I mean, to really work we have to care about the characters we we do yes but then again we also <clears throat> well and, and this is what kind of gives me a little bit hope that it'll be a bit more of a, a solid adaptation is that they are actually going down the line of you know x-men in space and the shiar yeah. and bringing in all of that so which Jessica is chastain yeah yeah, and 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 that you know gives me a little bit of hope that they're going to do things a bit a, a bit more kind of down the line as they should. Um, also, some interesting news around it is the potential talk around recasting Rogue in it, um, and also bringing in Dazzler. Yeah, Dazzler had a brief cameo in the second one. No, yeah, third one. Third one. I thought, yes, indeed. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just. I'm always going to be reticent about it because of the way they treated Apocalypse. Like Apocalypse was made to be like a TV show villain. Like he was a he was a bad villain and he shouldn't be. He should be an awesome villain. He should yeah. be a real obstacle. Um and he shouldn't be a villain that's like not rounding out a, a series of films. Yeah. If if he's going to be used, he should be one of the final people they come across like once they've tested themselves and proven themselves, they're faced with this challenge. Like, I think he's more of a threat than, than the Dark Phoenix. But you know, that's just my thoughts on it. No, um, fair enough. If you think I'm wrong, internet, tell me. <laughs> and, and, and I'm sure they will. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm sure the internet is very vocal these days. So yeah, I think that, I think they're missing a trick with the X Men series. If I'm honest with you. I think of all the of all the comics, X Men, <clears throat> because of their mutants versus non mutants storyline, there's so much potential there to just go into allegory and be that political commentary. I think they they have that in them, um, but boiling them down to action set pieces uh, just doesn't seem to be doing enough. Like First Class was good. First class had a story beyond a big masterpiece villain, but mm. since then they've been diminishing returns. Yeah, yep, true. But by contrast, mm. I've just picked up Logan on Blu-ray, and I'm massively looking forward to watching Logan Noir. I fucking loved that film. <clears throat> it was really good. So that well, you know, that shows Fox can do right. Yeah, absolutely. But I just don't think they will with with Dark Phoenix. But again, like don't want to be accused of being negative, but you know that's just my feelings on the matter. I don't know if we can get a Deadpool cameo crowbar in there, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah, if we get that in there, get that to work out with um, cable somehow. <laughs> Pretty interesting. Yeah, so hell. We'll go with it. Um, 
I think that's probably all I've got from Comic Con. Yeah. Yeah, 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 pretty much. I mean, I mean, the only other interesting thing of note is the uh, the, the announcements of the plugging of BritBox. If you've come across that yet. No. BritBox is a service that is co-owned between the BBC and ITV, and is aimed. It's a basically a Netflix for Americans to watch British TV shows. Okay. Uh, and it it's currently the only way to watch like all the classic Doctor Who and then all the existing soaps and stuff that are on. You get them the next day in America. So it it is. British TV Netflix for the Americans. <laughs> Amazing. Enjoy and this is why this is why all of the original Doctor Who cast have been over in the States at, at Comic Con. Because they've been uh, plugging Britbox. Okay. Because I've I was interested in in what it was because I saw an article about it uh, when they were talking about some recovered episodes of Doctor Who and then they, it mentioned BritBox. I was like, what the hell's that? And apparently it was launched in March this year. Uh, so it's only like literally a brand new thing. Uh, and yeah, so it's, it's a monthly subscription service for Americans to, to watch British TV. Cool. Apparently Enjoy quite it, popular. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You can watch Pointless and Doctor Who. Well, I mean, to be honest, I, you know, I think it's great because I think a lot of British TV shows uh, don't, you know, they, they go over to America. They don't necessarily get the whole run over there. America tries to remake them, does it badly, and then the shows get a bad press. So I think giving the American audience access to all of the original. UK series, I think can only be a good thing and start them binge watching the crap out of stuff that's been existing since the 60s. I mean, imagine just yeah. Americans binge watching the crap out of stuff like Man from Uncle and The Prisoner and all of those. <laughs> the prisoner, all of the prisoner will freak them out. I, I, I know, right? But it'd be awesome. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. The Avengers. Oh, Red Dwarf episodes. Yeah, well, you know, they, they tried to make that twice in America and it failed badly both times. Good. Um, oh, Lovejoy. Imagine them binge-watching Lovejoy. But you know what? I think, they'd, they, I think they'd be totally into it now because of how popular he is and all the stuff he's yeah. done. And yeah, they'll yeah. watch it and go, holy shit, really? That's where he came from? <laughs> you know, watch a bit of Fry and Laurie and go, Jesus, house is like that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fair. And it's that Sorry. British guy that's on everything. QI and Harry Potter and all these things. That's, yeah. I think it's a good thing. I, 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 fair play to them for doing it. I, yeah. I, I, lo I love that it's uh, a, a co-venture between ITV and BBC. Yeah. It's all cool. It's, well, it's, it's more of the digital distribution stuff that we like to talk about so much. Definitely, you know, and, and I think it's great, you know, I've, I've always said, you know, you need to make things available in other territories easily. Uh, yeah. I mean, they, they, they still need to make a whole load of it available in these territories properly. You know, I'd love to go back and watch you know, classic Doctor Who, but there isn't anywhere to watch it online for people in the UK. No. You can watch current Doctor Who and you can, well, in fact, no, no, some of it is on Netflix now, uh, classic Who, I think. Uh, but I still don't think it's all of the all of the episodes that are available. No, I don't know. I, I know there's some on there, but I'm not sure how much. Mm. Oh well. Anyway, that's cool. That was a, that was a, that was just a, a brief aside because that's why all the crap kicked off last week, and and Peter Davison has now quit Twitter because of trolls. So well done, trolls. Oh, is this because of? Well, we're going to get to that later on in the show, <coughs> aren't we? The Doctor yeah. Who casting. Okay. Well. Uh, let's stick with uh, Game of Thrones next, then. Mm. How was How was Thronecast? How was that taping? 
Thronecast was great. Yeah, it's, it, it's one of the the most organised and and well prepared tapings I've been to for, and I've been to a lot recently. You know, they they actually provided coffee and biscuits and Haribo and had rooms for us to sit in and wait and knew how many people were coming and said, "Hey, we're going to go and do this. Go for a toilet break." And the thing, because normally it's just they stick you in a shack on the side of a studio and then just. <laughs> herd you in like sheep into a building <laughs> it was actually really quite cool and then all the time we were sat in there they had uh, a kind of game of thrones greatest moments thing playing on a big screen at the back uh, and that was cool and then we all went into the studio and we sat and we watched watched the episode for this week all together which was a little bit odd especially how many know. people how many people um retched or reacted to that scene and that smash fade uh, uh to be honest everybody was uh, there was a lot of kind of ooh, oh, uh, and then when it cut to the thing i mean i paced myself laughing as soon as it did the cut to the pie i was like that's fucking genius <laughs> but there was there was two there was two awesome uh i think they're called smash fades if, I, if, I, if that's the wrong term tell me internet um but there was two there was one uh, in that really awkward sex scene between um, Grey Worm and Miss oh. Ande. Miss Yeah, I think she goes to put a hand on the bedpost and it fades to Samwell's hand taking a book off the shelf in the library. Right, okay. And then, then, then the later one where he's going in with the scalpel and it fades to the spoon into the pie. That yeah. one, yeah, like you said, pissed myself laughing. But I was glad I'd eaten. Glad I wasn't having my dinner. Oh, but, yeah, we were the so second grim. time we watched it, so we got home and uh, and we got home just in time for the episode to start. <laughs> so yeah, food arrived at the point when when that was all happening. So we were sat tucking away, and Megan hadn't seen it, and we were just like, "Yeah, you might want to stop eating for a minute, Moo." <laughs> yeah, that was that was grim. I mean, it was hilarious, but it was grim. I went on Twitter straight away. It was just like. Kudos to the editors. You're the real oh, yeah, MVPs. Yeah. yeah, indeed. They're, they're, uh, that, to be honest, there have been quite a few occasions of that in Game of Thrones so far where they've done those wonderful cuts between stuff in editing, yeah. like the... Um, uh, was it the... There was a, a hand one involving... Um, uh, can't forget, Jamie Lannister. There was one involving a hand. And then there was the... Uh, Theon and the sausage and a bunch of yeah, others yeah. that were just genius. Yeah. Um, what have you made of the season so far? Because I'm fucking loving it, and yeah, I don't yeah. get the hate. I'm not getting the hate for Ed Sheeran. I fucking loved that as well. No, I, I thought it was a good cameo. Yeah, it was. It was solid. I thought it was all right. I have nothing against the man. To be honest, I don't know most of his music, but he turned up and he was a character, and and he was okay. Yeah. Like, my head canon is that I has killed him and buried him. Um, whether she has or not is irrelevant. In my head, she has. In your head, she just murdered that entire camp of people. Yeah. yeah. She's like, oh, you know what? Um, I, I don't yeah. think she has, because, you know, she was kind no, of like, oh, I'm, going, I'm going to go and kill the queen. <laughs> it, it, like was, it. It, was, it was obviously a humanising plot device for her. It was, like, to let her realise that not everyone in King's Landing was the same, that not everyone liked the Queen, and to just remind her of her humanity. But you um, know what? I, I, I think she knows that anyway, and, and she's always had her list, and that's what she's working off. Yeah, but she's heading back to Winterfell. Indeed. To see Jon, who's now fucked off from Winterfell. But then again, Sansa's still there, and Sansa's Bran is there. on his way. Yeah. And Littlefinger's still there, and I wanted him to die, because I had him <laughs> in the death... He was my pick in the Deadpool. Really? Like, yeah. He's not going why. anywhere. He's really not He's... going anywhere. Oh, he is. He'll die. He'll die. I don't see I... it. I fucking hope Arya kills him as well. I really do. Why would Arya has... kill him? Because I just wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> but she has no reason. Oh, yeah, everybody wants Littlefinger dead, you know, but to be fair, what has he actually done wrong? Well... He had Ned killed. <laughs> well, he didn't. That was Joffrey. Hmm. 
the whole thing was put in place. I think little thing in you how Joffrey was lo- more likely to react. I think, admittedly, you know, he wanted Ned out of the way so that he could yeah. make a play for Catelyn Stark. Yeah, but he never got to do that. And in fact, I... the, the the only actual thing that he's that he's really done was pushing Mad Woman through the moon door. Yeah, yeah. that was yeah. Like, and know, that I was just... something we were all crying out for anyway. <laughs> so you know what? Littlefinger, I think, gets a lot of bad press. He's the guy that does all the shit that you want to do but can't. <laughs> I like him. He's the Dread Pirate Littlefinger. I think he's awesome. Oh, it's just that accent. That accent is ridiculous. It's slipped it's a couple wonderful. of times in the last episode. It's but it's brilliant. Terrible. It just comes out of nowhere and you're just like, all of a sudden, Littlefinger. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Uh, speak of dread pirates, that Euron's a bastard, isn't he? Oh, what a fucking entrance, though. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that kind of crushing <laughs> thing coming down on the ship, and he's just like, yeah, he dies off and starts eviscerating people. No, totally brilliant. Full on Viking berserker. But yeah. He had to, uh, uh, and he's awesome. Yeah. He is, but he's going to be another one of those villains that you just love to hate no no I, I i to be honest i don't think he is at the moment his cool factor is just <laughs> through the roof you know he's not a weasley bastard he's just like you know what i'm gonna go do this fuck all of you and yeah. he is he's just like he's exactly what he says on the tin he's like i'm gonna go and do this and everyone's like yeah you're does not it. and he's like no I fucking totally am and he does it and he's just like see <laughs> i thought his ship was flying for a second as well when i first saw it it looks it looked okay, like it had yeah, wings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, there was, it was massively cool. All of that sequence. It was. It was just one of those episodes that it had you laughing in places, and then just the shit hit the fan. Yeah, um, and it had some really nice things. Well, like like when Arya finds out that John's alive, that was pretty cool. Uh, mm. We've seen Miria again. Gutted that the wolf didn't go off with Aya. You know, that would have been cool. But then Aya again, I, you them. know, I think that it's a reconnecting of those characters. And I think this is... Uh, I think then Nymeria will probably be back later. At a point when Arya really needs her at the moment. Yeah. They don't need each other. They're happily off doing stuff. And I think at the point when Arya ne- really needs Nymeria, she'll be there. Yep. But it's all gone really well so far. Yeah. Well, Strong episode. You say it gone really well, you know, the, the Sand Sisters, not so much. <laughs> Didn't go so yeah. well for them. <laughs> Which is a shame. And, like, I haven't read the books, so I don't know enough about them, but I think from what I get from the general consensus on the internet is that they've been underserved by the TV series. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So I don't. I miss them because I'd like to see more of them, but, you know. Not a, not a massively impactful loss. No, it should have been are. an obvious pick in the Deadpool, but I should have picked them first because they were obviously going to go, but I didn't. Mm. Uh, you know, I, I think we're, we are ramping up very, very quickly to a conclusion, and we're, we're, we're almost down to only being single figures of episodes left. Yeah. Yeah, so... Oh, well. So it's going to be eight. Well, yeah, next week, or yeah, depending when this one goes out, it will be uh, John meets Daenerys, and that I'm looking forward to. Yeah. Yeah, there's no way he bends the knee. Oh, I'm God, no. I'm having this argument with my housemate, and he's like, he will, because he needs the dragon, dragon glass. I'm like, there's no fucking way Jon Snow bends the knee. No, no fucking <laughs> no way. way. It's not happening. <laughs> um, cool. Last Game of Thrones done. So I popped along to the cinema recently and saw Dunkirk. Okay. How was it? It was alright, is what I'll say. It, actually, to be fair, it's an excellent film. Um, Nolan is technically very good. You know, in terms of the craft of making films, he's excellent. Um, well, we I know this. <laughs> yeah. But even in a film about the harrowing evacuation of 400,000 stranded soldiers from the beaches of Dunkirk, he still doesn't mind, manage to find, like, a human element. Hmm. You know? Technically, he's brilliant, but he's still just not quite getting that emotional connection. 
um, which is an issue, I guess, if you want it to be, but other than that, I don't really think it is. Like, I didn't really care that I didn't like any of the characters. Like, the ones you're meant to like, you do, and you get, you, you understand why they're doing what they're doing, but you just don't really feel overly invested in them. Um, but it doesn't detract from the film, really, if you're being honest about it. That's just being nitpicky. Uh, I really like his use of sound. I think I've mentioned this before um, with Interstellar. Hmm. When when I've taught sound design, I've taught post production audio. We're we always told that like you use sub and the bass tones for for big impact. And in Interstellar, he did the reverse. He had a sub tone more or less through the entire film, apart from the impactful scenes where he just had silence. Hmm. And it worked really well. Um, and the sound design and the scoring for Dunkirk are just next level. That's what really blew me away. The the moments where I was jumping out of my seat from gunshots. I mean, I think it's mixed probably a little louder than most films out at the moment, so that it does have that that shock value. Um, but yeah, the sound design was great, and Zimmer's score is just eager and incessant and fucking oppressive in places. You know what's happening when the score comes in, and it's all strings, it's all jarring and repetitive tones. Um, yeah, and that that builds more connection, more of a sense of dread in the viewer than the portrayal of the characters by the actors. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But it, that's really good. Uh, the film itself is told in a weird roundabout way. It's essentially three different storylines stitched together over different time frames. So the evacuation of the beach takes place over the course of a week. The fleet sailing from... Uh, England to Dunkirk takes place over the course of a day and then Tom Hardy in his Spitfire that all takes place over the course of an hour so you have these different different stories that he's chopping between and they all finally merge together okay it, it's well it's well done it's really well put together it's well filmed um I'm not sure it's the masterpiece that some places are claiming it is yeah, I mean, I guess I, the, the people that I've seen claiming it as a, as a masterpiece of theatre are the people that are kind of, I, I don't know, I guess, more prone to examining films at that level. Yeah. So I think it's a critical success, but I'm not sure on, on how much of a commercial success it is, or a personal success. Um. It's a war film, so it's going to have a particular type of audience interested in it. I don't think it's a blockbuster. Well, I mean, that immediately means I'm not interested in it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I saw it because I kind of I like I like Nolan. I do. I think he is a good filmmaker. I think some of his work is terribly overrated. Like Interstellar was good, but the ending let it down. I wasn't a massive fan of Inception. I think that fell fell over itself in places. Mm. Um, Dunkirk's probably the best of the bunch for me, apart okay. from his work on Batman, which I thought was great. Fair but play. Yeah, it's 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 well worth a watch. Um, some people are saying film of the summer. Uh, for me, I it's, think too early to call that. <laughs> and for me, it's not. For me, it's not even top five. Um, I think there's I think Baby Driver, Colossal, Logan, Spider Man, I think they all beat it for me. Yeah. But yeah. But yeah, it's 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 a technically excellent film that manages to miss the heart of what should have been an engaging and emotional story. Okie dokie. There, there we go. Cool. <laughs> uh Dr. Who then. Doctor Who. Yeah, it's the elephant in the room. I don't think so. In all fairness, I mean, it's 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 one of those things. It's happened. I think she's a great actress. You know, she has, um, she definitely has alien fighting pedigree from Attack the Block. She's awesome um, in Broadchurch. You know what? She's the only thing about Attack the Block that I liked. Yeah, indeed. I I hated that film. Well, like, indeed, you know, it's a film that, that essentially starts out where the main character 
basically mugs and almost rapes someone. Yeah, like aside from her, there wasn't a single character that I liked in that movie, and, no, and I... that that put me off it quite a lot. Like, I, I I'd given up on watching it a long time ago. I never thought I'd get around to it. Um, but then I saw Kingsman, and I was put off Kingsman for the same sort of you know the lead characters a bit chavvy sort of thing. But I watched Kingsman. And Kingsman was really fucking good. Kingsman really is enjoyed, fucking awesome. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. And then I thought, well, I was wrong about the Kingsman. Maybe we should give Attack the Block a go. So I gave it a go. And I watched it all and I was just like, no, that was shit. I hate it. And if film. we're talking trailers and offshoots, if you haven't yet seen the new trailer for Kingsman 2 and the When Kingsman Met Archer, you have to. Yeah, you do. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. I'm making a note to put that in the show notes because, yeah, definitely... <laughs> When oh, Kingsman King met Archer is one of the finest things I've ever seen. Yeah, it was really funny. Um, yeah, okay. I was perfectly happy with the casting yeah. decision. Yeah, I totally am. Right. And, you know, I, I think it's great. We we have a new Doctor, we have a new showrunner, we've got a whole new stuff, a whole new level of stuff going on. What yeah. I don't quite get is, I, I guess... I think there are there are certain corners of the internet where people may be upset about this, but I haven't seen them. All, all, all I've seen is a lot of people being happy that some people are upset. Yeah, and I guess that's yeah. confused me. My, my my Twitter feed was mostly filled with one of two types of posts. It was mostly posts going, "She's great." really happy about the news can't wait to see what she's doing and then other posts going all the screaming screaming man babies are crying into their whatever now and I'm just like well I'm not seeing that I'm no. sure they are I'm sure there is some part of the world the internet where man babies are crying over the decision and I've, and I've heard people saying now that they're going to stop watching it because of um, the doctor's a woman um, but that's fine then again there were drones yeah. of people who said they were going to stop watching Doctor Who because it was now an old bloke again yeah you, People said they were going to stop watching when it was David Tennant. Yeah. You know, when, when he left and it came Matt Smith. People were always saying they are going to stop watching Doctor Who. They never do. They always still do. Um, I think the most intriguing comment about the whole thing was when we were essentially called sexist because we didn't react with anger and distrust yeah, about that the casting. Kind of, th- that kind that of took really, me. That, that really threw me. I was thinking, okay, so we're... Because we haven't got angry about the casting we're, tr- we're obviously reacting differently because it's a woman so that makes us sexist and I was thinking well no I reacted the same way I always react to a Doctor Who casting I always go that's cool good actor I'm excited to see what they do with, with the stories I reacted no differently Indeed, so, and, and neither did I. You know, I mean, I think with with Peter Capaldi, I was I was ecstatic. I was like, "Yeah, bring yeah. him on! That'll be awesome." And you know, the other ones, I was just like, "Well, I don't know who they are. I'll wait and see what they do." Whereas, you know, this one, uh, I think she's a great actress. I've seen her in a yeah. bunch of stuff, and I think she's been great in the parts I've seen her do. She can not only kind of hold her own in a sci-fi universe; she's also very, very good at character acting. So, yeah. you know, I think it's going to be great. Um, like I, I, I'd be hard pressed to be happier. Like, well, you know, could have been Emma Newman. <laughs> There's Emma Newman. <laughs> like, I, I would, I would watch Emma Newman as the Doctor. You know what? She will love you for that. <laughs> <laughs> All day. Like, but then again, awesome. you know, I, I, I think Sue Perkins would be awesome at it. Uh, yeah. And having seen her in Thronecast yesterday, I'm all the more convinced Sue Perkins would be a fucking awesome Doctor. But here's the problem now, is that it's the same thing we had with Ghostbusters. Doctor Who, the casting of Doctor Who, has inadvertently become this battleground for some kind of cultural war. Which makes criticism really difficult. Because if you say now that you don't like Doctor Who, the immediate response from a majority of people is going to be, it's because you're a sexist, you don't like the woman. And if you say that you do like it, similarly you're going to get, well, you're just, you're pro-feminism. And we made no bones about it. We're feminists on this show. Yep. But I can still I can be a feminist and not agree with the casting decision. Well, it of just course. So happens. Yeah. yeah, it just so happens that I'm not in that situation. I agree with the casting and I like it. But this this issue now is 
because you can only tackle it in 140 characters on Twitter, it's not being done properly. So it's obviously going to be some sort of middle ground, yeah. you know. And it's it's going to make criticism it's going to make criticism difficult. Yeah, it, it is because uh, it's always I, going to be you're always going to be you're always going to have that that lens cast over you whenever you're critical of of Doctor Who now, and and that's not that's not a good thing because you have to be able to openly and freely critique a show if the show fails. Yeah, and I, and I think it's that. I think it, it's having that realisation that what we are doing is critiquing the show and yeah. not critiquing the decisions or the underlying reasons for things happening in the show. Yeah, we, we're, we're not in the casting room. We don't no, see who gets cast for it. We don't know what direction Chris Chibnall wants to take the show in. We don't know any of that. All we can critique is the episodes when they come out. And we've been harsh on Doctor Who in the past. Yeah. And to be honest, most of our harshness is directed at the writers. Like, where episodes have failed in the past is because the writers haven't given the actors enough to do. Yeah. And you know you what? Know. You know, when when I, as one of Neil Gaiman's biggest fans, can stand up and say that his second episode was probably one of the worst ones I've ever seen... Well, Nightmare in Silver. Yeah, indeed. And yeah. that's that, that's because what we're cri- what, what we're critiquing what we're critiquing is the show and how the yeah. show hangs together and i think people get uh, in all fairness a bit too wrapped up in things that are not a factor yeah and in yeah, all fairness definitely. people just chill the fuck out it's a sci-fi show yeah but yeah and like oh well, we'll see where it goes I'm excited. I'm looking for forward it. to you know. I mean, th- th- there is a dynamic there. There is a director and a writer yeah. who've worked together before, and an actor that have worked together before. And I think that they will work towards uh, something interesting because they know each other's strengths already. It gets yeah. over that kind of uh, needing to get to know each other part of it first because they already know each other. It was yeah. like in the, in the first incarnation of the Doctor, where Russell T. Davis and Christopher Eccleston had previous form and they understood each other straight away. Yeah, no, I, I think there's something to be worried about. My my only worry that I have at all is like, what happens if the show isn't good? It it, it gets back to that to that criticism thing. If the show isn't good, um how do people constructively but sir, criticize the, the, and review the, it this is how we will do it if the show yeah. isn't good we will call it on not being good and state our reasons why yeah okay we'll just carry on as we always it, do it's then. what we've always done dude yeah <laughs> and and i i see no reason we should change oh i'm not really seeing a problem for us doing it but i'm just worried about the the wider internet backlash to it because I think it's going to be more pressurised because that will blow up and that will happen and that's beyond our sphere of control yeah I just feel bad for people when that happens yeah indeed and as I said earlier you know I feel bad that Peter Davison has had to quit Twitter over this because people have taken things he said out of context and and it's all blown up yeah I couldn't tell whether the video had crashed then because you just held that pose for so long. That's because I'm. It was, it was dramatic effect. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, that won't translate through to a podcast because, hey, radio. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, I think we live in pretty good echo chambers, though. Like as you said, most yeah. most of our feeds were reinforcing I, I think every, everyone was positive and and the people who weren't positive were not they were not positive they were not not positive because of the casting what yeah. they were saying was that they were being happy that some people were unhappy which i found yeah. weird and I, and I do find that weird because you know i it in, in my experience, I'm always down for being inclusive and, and, and being supportive of everyone, and to revel in someone else's unhappiness is just weird and wrong. Well, it's like we've always felt on the show. Like, we're nerds. We're nerds, we talk on the on the internet. 
Um, this this wasn't around when we were having trouble times in high school years ago. God, you no, know, no. Most of the, most of the nerd community should have gone through hell. You know, they'll all, they'll all have individual stories about being an outsider. Um, so it doesn't make sense to me for a collective of outsiders to want to exclude people. You know, we're people who've been excluded for liking things we liked 20, 25, 30 years ago. It doesn't make sense to me for us to now turn around and start excluding people from liking stuff that we like just because it's cool or because it's present or because it's out there. Like, we've always been inclusive and inviting on the show and we've always fought against um, people who have sought to exclude others. Um, And that's the way we'll continue to go, I guess. Uh, Indeed, we will continue to do so. Yeah. Uh... And I think that brings us nicely to the end of this week's episode. It does. Yeah. I guess okay, all that got... remains is, is is there's a few shout-outs of things. You go there's first. shout-outs. Yeah, okay. So I want to shout-out to Charlie Brigden of The Movie Drone, Emma, The Crushinator, and Chris Haig from North by Nerdwest, Carolyn at Fast Forward Rewind, uh, and then Addy and Andrew Cavero, who were all people that we podcasted with on the Smorgasbord podcast, so actually, and yeah, it was and great, great fun. <laughs> um, uh, Pete at Smorgasbord, thank you so much for having us on the show, guys. It was awesome playing charades with you, getting salty with you, swearing at you, uh, and getting drunk with you. It was awesome. Uh, we'll do it again sometime soon. Awesome, cool. Uh, well, I, I, and, and for me, we are in the final run-up towards Nine Worlds. So we're conventions over the summer. I will be at Nine Worlds for the whole weekend. Uh, my LARP panel is at 5pm on the Saturday at Nine Worlds. So if you're around and available, come and see me talking nerdy about LARP. Uh, I'll be around for the rest of the weekend. So yeah, come say hi. Uh, other conventions over the summer, we are at... Uh, the weekend at the Asylum in Lincoln. Uh, I will be based pretty much exclusively at the venue over the entire weekend, as I will be sat in the little magic lighty box at the back playing with my switches and levers. Um, So if you do go to any of those events in the venue, then give me a wave in the lighting box at the back. Awesome. Cool. Well then... (coughs) That's all for... <laughs> you ready, sir? You ready, sir? I am so, sorry, yes. A little bit of a cough. <laughs> That's all for this episode. Uh, I've been Brendan. I've been Spindles. And until next time, take care and be excellent to each other. Ta-da! Ta-da!